little sleep deprived, but it's worth it. So announcements might be even more dangerous than usual. But you did miss the comedy up here, I tell you, when I was gone probably. But I don't know, Pastor does a good job. We're about the same actually. So uh, so good to be back in church. And uh, announcements for today, the first one is about us. So we need food. So if you would be happy... <laughs> If you would be so inclined, uh, there is a meal train for us on Facebook. Talk to Jen Mokay if you want more details. I'm watching my figure, so please be considerate in what you bring to us. Um, I don't know. I'm just making stuff up. But thank you for all the, the flowers that we got in the hospital, and everybody that's been talking and sending us uh, kind texts and prayers. Appreciate it. Thank you very much. And then very exciting, next weekend, Discipleship in the Home, our weekend meeting with Dr. Matt Friedman and uh, the Glick family, John and Jelena Glick, will be here to minister music. There will be four sessions, one on Friday night, one on Saturday morning, and then two on Sunday. So that is different than what is on the website. There will be a flyer uh, on Facebook with more details if you would like to see more about that. And I just encourage you to uh, come to these. This, uh, Dr. Matt Friedman is a teacher at GBS and IWU, I believe, and uh, Wesley Biblical. Wesley Biblical. It's just close enough. Um, anyways, they... Uh, have heard many good things about him, and Chris Cravens last week said the same thing, so we don't want to miss this special weekend at our church. And then there will be a February Fun and Fellowship Lift meeting on February 15th uh, at Jen True's house. So if you are wanting to go to that, please uh, register to Rhonda as soon as possible. That's on the February, by February 11th, so please, um, yeah, so please register by February 11th. And you will need to bring a coffee mug filled with candy or other goodies. So... Uh, make, put that on your calendar. And then Giving Sunday for our uh, capital campaign for our new AC units that we need to get in. So, uh, And then also to remodel the ladies' bathroom. Uh, we are going to be having a, a Giving Sunday on February 18th to celebrate giving. And giving is a form of worship, which probably Pastor will talk more about eventually. But when he starts his uh, new series on uh, worship, which will be next weekend? Two weekends? Two weekends. Two weekends, Pastor, starting a new series on worship. Looking forward to that. But uh, on that Sunday, February 18th, we will be celebrating giving and how we worship in our giving. And uh, we will be trying, well, not trying, there will be a pitch-in dinner following the morning service. Okay, so please, uh, there will be more information coming about that soon. And then Jen, I'm sure Jen Mulcahy will have sign up or come talk to you about what we can do. So keep that in mind. So again, just want to say thank you from Courtney and I. There have been a couple uh, rough patches. Not too bad, though. And uh, some people have reached out to us, offered us, said they're praying for us, and uh, if we need anything to call them. So just really appreciate that. Appreciate our church family. Also, the beginning of the missionary, which the guys got excluded from this, but whatever. I like socks, too. There are now, we have gifts on the back wall, I think. Right, Sister Toms? So go, if you signed up for that, go back and look um, for that. And if you don't have a name, just cut the person some grace, because I know last year I had somebody's name and I think I went two weeks and forgot both weeks and so on the third week they got a really nice gift because it was all three weeks together so but please do check that back there and see if uh, you got your gift so this time pastor's going to come and open in prayer let us pray father we thank you this morning for the privilege you have of being in your house lord we praise you for your goodness and your grace in our life we pray dear lord this morning that you'll You'll captivate our minds and our attention and our hearts, Lord, today with the word of God as we sing the hymns of the church, as we rejoice together, as we worship the King of kings and the Lord of lords. May we be reminded of who you are and all of your blessings in our life this morning and be grateful from the bottom of our hearts. Bless, Lord, our, our endeavors of worship this morning, Father. We lift you up. We give you the praise. Amen. 
life's here again. <clears throat> right around the corner is Valentine's Day. It's a month of love. And uh, I just thought this morning would be appropriate for us to express our love to the one who died on Calvary, saves us from our sins, gives us eternal life. Why don't we stand as we sing, All that thrills my soul, Christ is all and is in all. Found in Colossians 3.11. He is our all in all. <clears throat> Cheer the heart like Jesus, by His presence all
song we're going to sing is Fairest Lord Jesus. The song of Solomon 610 says, Who is this? Fair as the moon, bright as the sun, majestic as the stars. It's just very difficult to describe how wonderful and how fair our Lord Jesus is. But let's sing together, Fairest Lord Jesus. Oh, my God. 
He is. Let us pray. Father, we thank you this morning that you are precious to us. We thank you, dear Lord, for being patient with us and keeping, dear Lord, um, constant vigil, in essence, on our lives, not leaving us to our own vices to do our own thing. But, Lord, we're grateful for your Holy Spirit that reached out to us when we were lost and drew us unto you. Lord, we thank you, Father, that before, um, before uh, we loved you, you loved us. And you, dear Lord, that we are your creation. And Lord, you um, wanted so desperately to have a creation that would live uh, lives that were pure. Yet, Lord, we turned our back on you and sinned. And Lord, we're thankful that you didn't leave us there. Father, that you gave us a, 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 a sacrifice for that sin, Lord. And we're thankful this morning that we can come and worship you and give you the honor the glory and the praise that you deserve. Lord, you know our needs this morning. You know those that aren't with us today and for various reasons. I pray, Father, that you'll be faithful to them in a very special way. Give them encouragement. Give them strength, we pray today. You know every need that's represented in this congregation. I pray, dear Lord, that you'll meet those needs. Uh, some, dear Lord, that aren't going to share them today, but you know all about them. You know their burden this morning. You know the trials that they're facing, Lord, and what they'll face on Monday morning. And, Lord, we're grateful that you're going to go with them to give them strength and encouragement and help, Lord. And so, Father, we give you the glory and the praise for all that you've done for us. We thank you, dear Lord, for what you're going to do for us. Bless, dear Lord, in the, in the weekend revival, Father. I pray, Lord, that your Holy Spirit will settle down upon us, O oh God, as we specifically talk about our families in the home, dear Lord, how vital that is to the kingdom of God, to have strong, godly families. And so, Lord, we're praying that you will anoint, dear Lord, Lord, our workers as they come. Dr. Freedom, and Lord, as he speaks to us, I pray, may we be attentive. May we, dear Lord, be participants in this weekend revival, Lord. And may your Holy Spirit come and speak, dear Lord, to us in a very special way. Lord, you know our needs here that are represented. Bless, dear Lord, in, in all that we do and say that will honor you. We pray these things in the name of Jesus. Amen.
and that beautiful special uh, pastors preaching today from 1 Corinthians 13 8 through 13 love never ends as for prophecies they will pass away as for tongues they will cease as for knowledge 
it will pass away. For we know in part, and we prophesy in part, but when the perfect comes, the partial will pass away. When I was a child, I spoke like a child. I thought like a child. I reasoned like a child. When I became a man, I gave up childish ways. For now we see in a mirror dimly, but then face to face. Now I know in part, then I shall fully know, even as I have been fully known. So now faith, hope, and love abide these three, but the greatest of these is love. God, we thank you for this day and the many gifts that you have given to us. We pray that you would be with our pastor as he speaks to us from your word. Pray that your Holy Spirit would speak to us and use what he has to say through our pastor. God, I just pray you'd help us throughout the rest of this day. Amen. Love is a, um, an interesting word that uh, may be one of the most abused words in the English language, possibly, in the sense of what really is love. Um, love does have elements of affection, obviously, and, uh, I, uh, and we, we would claim that to be love, affection. But affection always, doesn't always mean love, frankly, uh, because I'm affectionate towards somebody or uh, something or have an affection towards it does not mean that I, that I necessarily love it. Love is, is, has many dimensions, and um, we're going to talk about what um, we're going to talk this morning uh, from the love chapter, and uh, um, in the first seven verses of the love chapter, it describes for us real, what real love is. I'm not going to talk about that this morning. You've heard, you've read it time and time again. You know what it says. And um, uh, it defines for us in those, in those verses what real, the Greek word being agape, you've heard that word, um, but what is it? What does it entail? Uh, from a from a scriptural perspective, and so I want to talk to you just a little bit about this idea that it never fails, and uh, true love, true agape love, true love that comes from Christ, that's imparted in the heart of the believer at salvation. We become there's a there's a different type of love at salvation, okay? Because God has imparted Himself into us. We are now uh, filled with His Spirit, and so when we're filled with His Spirit. We're filled with a heart of love, amen? And you're going to find out as I preach this morning that the key element of the Christian faith is love. If you don't have, a, if you don't have genuine love for God and for your fellow man, and that's not shown in your, uh, in your actions and outwardly, because inward love is shown outwardly, and if it's not, then at that, at, at that point in time, you're going to realize that you don't have the love of Christ, and you don't have Christ. That's this, that doesn't mean you don't have feelings. Now, I remind you this morning, I, I want to again remind you, love isn't all about feelings, right? I talk about that. The, song, the old song always comes out, it's feelings. I always say that every time I preach. I've got to get that out of my mind, you know what I mean? After a while, people get tired of those little cliche-ish things. But, um, you, you know, you, it's not feelings. Again, I mean, I love feelings, um, I, I love to have a, a, a romantic feeling. I, I just love to have Phil's romantic feeling like he has, you know. 
And Dan and us guys on the board talking about it. It's incredible that a man, you know, is so ensconced in his love for his wife that he misses a board meeting, all right, cleaning for her yesterday morning and showing and singing those songs to her all morning. That is just, just so beautiful. And I, I just, Lisa, you're blessed. I can do that as expense because I know he can take it and he can give it back too. <laughs> But it's more than that. It's more than just our feelings and our emotions. And so I want us to look again at this love chapter for a, for, for a few moments. And, and as we experience this, we, this month, as Phil already talked about, this month of love, and, and on the 14th of, of this month, which, by the way, is also Ash Wednesday, okay? So I want to let you in on all that. Um, as you, as you decide what you're going to give to the one that you love, we men know that, you know, it's, it's chocolates and a teddy bear, right? I mean, that's, that's got to be what love is, uh, chocolates and a teddy bear. As you, as you plan that, and that's a good thing. I'm not sure about chocolate and teddy bear, but it's a good thing to show your love. I think it's important for us to be reminded of what love looks like in the life of the believer. In fact, John talks about it. Jesus said in John chapter 13, I don't have a PowerPoint this morning. Uh, if you can have your Bibles handy, you can look at it. He said this, he said, a new commandment I give to you, that you love one another, even as I have loved you, that you also love one another. He repeats himself, love one another. I've told you to do that. Now love one another. I don't think he'd have to repeat something if, he, if it was just a natural uh, affection that we um, have been filled with. I think it's important, and, and obviously in Scripture, that he repeats himself. Not only did he say it, uh, did, did he tell us again in, in those verses, but he goes on in other verses and repeats it over and over again. Love one another. Why? Because it's of God. Love is of God, and everyone that is born of God loves. And I think that there's some of the most difficult words to keep in Scripture. Um, Paul said, love without hypocrisy. Be devoted to one another in brotherly love. Let all be done. Everything that we do, our lives ought to emit the love of Christ in everything and every aspect that we do in our lives. And in the same vein as in our text, Paul wrote, Again, in Galatians chapter 14, and 5.14, he said, For the whole law is fulfilled in one word. In the statement, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. In fact, he told the Ephesians again in verse, chapter 5, verse 2, Walk in love, just as Christ also loved you and gave himself up for us. Then he wrote to the Thessalonian church in 1 Thessalonians 4.9, Now, as to the love of the brethren, you have no need for anyone to write to you. For you yourselves are taught by God to love one another. And, of course, then he wrote this um, love chapter in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, describing to us what real love is, what it looks like in the church. You know, we, we're enamored by a whole lot of stuff, are we not? We're, we're enamored by uh, those with, with talent and, and uh, the, the eloquence of speaking and, and beautiful singing and, and instrumental playing and, and, um, and prophecy uh, anybody that can prophesy, we're pretty much enamored by, by prophets. Um, we don't see it quite 
uh, as often as, as we've seen in the past, and most of it obviously is because we have it um, inspired through the Word of God in Scripture. But we're enamored with those types of people. Um, and uh, Paul's making it very clear that all those things are good and fine and dandy. He talks about that, again, back in these earlier verses. But he's reminding us that love is the essence of what Christianity is all about. Jonathan Edwards, the great revival preacher, in trying to determine the reality of the many professions of faith that were made during the Great Awakening time, he put love at the top of the list for determining whether someone's faith was genuine. He said he believed that the evidence of love or the absence of it were the best tests by which Christians may try their experience, whether it be real Christian experience or not. If you really got it, if you've really experienced it, there will be a genuine love in the heart of the believer, not only for um, uh, God, but for God's creation, God's other people. Love is one attribute that every Christian is, and we must possess. It's not a spiritual gift that some have been bestowed with and others not. Love is the witness of the Spirit that God, through his forgiveness, has filled us with himself and, his, and, and himself and his love is reflected in everything that we do and all that we say. And so in these verses, Paul shows us several aspects of love that I want to look at. Verses 1 through 7, he, he begins by talking to us about the permanence of, of love shared. The permanence of love shared. The whole idea of this chapter begins in verse 1. When Paul says, though I have all kinds of spiritual gifts and I exercise those gifts effectively, without love, my spiritual exercise with my gifts is completely without merit. He doesn't care whether you have all kinds of gifts. If you don't have the love of Christ that permeates your, everything that you do with those gifts, then those, th those talents and gifts are useless in the kingdom. He goes on to talk about prophecy understanding of all mysteries, having knowledge and faith to move mountains, feeding the hungry, and, and giving his body to be burned. But again, all of these are simple spiritual exercise, and they'll profit us very, very little unless we are filled with Christ and his love. He, can, he compares these spiritual gifts to what he calls, and you hear clanging cymbal or a sounding brass. It just it just falls on deaf ears, does it not? And you've heard a clanging cymbal and a sounding brass, and when it's played by itself, it just is a, it's just a gong. And, and there's nothing about a gong that is beautiful. But with the love of Christ um, as a part of our gifts and, our, and, our, and um, our, our natural talents that he has bestowed upon us, then they become beautiful. He goes on, he talks about it, he says it, Love suffers long. It's, all, it's kind. It's not envious. It doesn't parade itself. It's not puffed up. It does not behave rudely. It, it's not exasperated. It's not self-seeking. It is not easily provoked and does not look for, uh, for evil in others. It does not find sin to be glamorous. It cheers on the truth. It bears each other's burdens by hiding and concealing the faults and imperfections of others. Albert Barnes says this about 
uh, about love, he said it, and believing it, it said it takes the best and kindest views of all men in all circumstances as long as it is possible to do so. Love is entirely alien from the spirit of the cynic, the pessimist, the anonymous slanderer, the, the secret detractor. Adam Clark said about hoping all things, he said, when there is no place left for believing good of a person, then love comes in with its hope. If you really love somebody, you're looking for the very best in them, are you not? I don't know if you know today, but every one of you has something good about you. I thought as your pastor, I'd just let you know that little secret. Sometimes you don't feel that way, do you not? Because the devil invariably and constantly wants to look and nitpick, if you want to use that word, you can, at the negative things in your life. In fact, not only in your own life, some of you are very self-conscious about those, and I don't need to have hands on that. Some are very self-conscious about that. But the lives of others, very, very, um, very easy. I, I was, uh, somebody said yesterday, I won't name the name, that they're a uh, pessimist. And uh, I think he described it like this. He said, being a pessimist, you're either, you're either right or you're happy. Think about it just for a second <laughs> if, you're, if you're a pessimist. Because if it doesn't go the way that you think it is, then you're happy because you said so, right? It's very easy to be pessimistic. It's very easy for us to find those negative uh, areas in everybody's life, folks, okay? It's very easy to do that. But that's not the way love reacts and acts. In fact, it does its best to hide the, the faults of other people. It, it, it doesn't bring those to light. It, it does its best to protect another person rather than to unveil to the world their, their failures or their faults. That's the love that Paul is talking about here. And this love um, is a love that we share together as believers. As Jen was singing the song, I thought, man, that's a tough song. How, how many would agree? I mean, if, if, besides me, I mean, that's a, just a tough song. Whatever it takes, Lord. You, you know, whatever it takes. Take the sunshine away if that's what it takes. Bring the rain in my life. Um, but I want to draw closer to you. We can sing those songs. But really, when those issues come into our lives, how do we respond to those things? How do we act? Do we cry and, and beg God, oh God, what are you doing to me? Rather than embracing the fact that God is working in your life, trying to make you what? More like him. And I think that's the way it, it comes when this, this love shared when we're sharing with one another, we're looking for the good in other people rather than the negative, rather than the pessimistic outcome of everything. We're looking for the good, what God's doing, what God can do, amen? Well, I'm excited about it because that's what the love of Christ is about. Secondly, in verse eight, it talks about the permanence of love declared. He says it endures throughout eternity. It's not a temporal gift, but a gift that endures forever. Love does not just abide over time. It, it abides through time and does not end when, when the history on this earth ends. And this has to be ultimately a reference to the love of God as that love is reflected in creation and especially in us, his new creation, the church. It is God's love reflected in sinners who are saved by grace. 
The words love never ends are words of eternal life. They mean that God will never fail to love, to love us in Christ, and to reflect that love in and through us. It's eternal. This is why love is the enduring reflection of who Christ is. Genuine love shows the world what Christ really looks like in us. We've been told to glorify him. Amen? What is glorifying Christ? Coming into the worship place and raising our hands as we sing the songs. And we say, oh, we're glorifying him. We're praising him. And I hope and pray that our lives are glorifying him. But when we talk about glorifying Christ, we're talking about living holy, obedient lives to him. And we're glorifying him in our lives to an outside world that doesn't, that doesn't act like him. That's glorifying Christ. Our lifestyle, the things we do, the things we say, how we react. And then again, they're watching us and they're watching the church and its love for others. Because again, it's the key characteristic of a Christian. Love of Christ. And so in verse he talks about this love that is declared, that it, it, that it endure throughout eternity. It never ends. It's ongoing. It's something in the life of the believer that, that shows forth the love of Christ in everything we do. And then in verses 8 through 12, we see the permanence of love compared. He compares it. He compares it to several things. He, he first of all, compares it to prophecies. Again, the tongues and knowledge. Of course, these were in that day the sensational gifts uh, that the Corinthians um, had put such great emphasis on. Obviously, he's talking to a group of people that are enamored by these sensational gifts. And by the way, I, you know, I, I think that we, if we're not careful, become more enamored by sensational gifts than we do by the love of Christ working in the heart of a believer and showing forth the love of the believer to other people we would be more enamored with these, with these uh, supernatural, sensational gifts than the Corinthians were. And what Paul is saying here, that all these gifts, these sensational gifts, he's telling the Corinthian church, they're going to one day vanish away. They're going to fa uh, fade away. And when they do, only one will, let, will, will be left standing. And that is the genuine agape love that loves regardless of how it feels. Amen. Regardless of how somebody else treats me or what other people... Listen, we're a human. Somebody treats me kind, what am I going to do? Treat him kind back, right? Somebody doesn't treat me so kind, what am I going to feel like doing? I want to treat him the same way. Now, I, you may not be tempted by that, but I am. I am. Satan would love to just remind me, well, they didn't do you, right? So... And you, and you get into this, uh, you get into this mode where, okay, you know, and you, you say, okay, if they're going to treat me that way, well, I'll show them. Well, that's a dumb thing to do because then the Holy Spirit comes along and uh, arrests your soul. And I can't tell you how many times in those kind of situations my heart has been arrested to come to the realization that, you know, that's not what Christianity is about. That's not, the, the love of, of Christ has been imparted within my heart, and he is love. And I am to show that love regardless of whether I feel like it or not. Amen. Whether it's a good feeling or whether it's not. I think we understand it. I, don't, I think I can stand up here until I'm blue in the face and, be, and continue to describe that kind of love 
And yet, it's something that we've got to practically do in our, in, in our lives on a daily basis. And it's because of the love of Christ that is imparted to our hearts. In verse 10, Paul refers to that which is perfect has come. Um, and, and you say, well, what is he referring to? Well, I think he's trying to say this. When Christ comes back to earth to take his bride away, we will then have a perfect understanding of what real love looks like. He goes on to say that when this happens, that what we have seen in part or what our limited knowledge is comprehended will be made perfectly crystal clear when Christ comes because when Christ comes, we're going to see what true love really is all about and what true love really looks like. He's the true picture of love. Christ embodies what it's all about. Our understanding of love will no longer be necessary because the author of love will reveal to us what, it, what real love looks like. Scripture tells us, and I'm reminded, I have not seen nor ear heard even the half of what shall be revealed to the children of God. And when he comes back, Paul's saying, you're going to be able to see exactly what love is all about. He goes on and uses in these verses, verses 8 through 12, two more comparisons of what our love is like now to what it will one day look like. And he talks about childish love. We understand love that, that, that kind of looks like how a child would understand it, okay? Childlike love is love that we give because we get something in return. And when someone shows us love, we in turn respond with love. But if, we, if they don't show us love, we in turn respond with what? Retaliation. Well, my grandsons are all in here. I'm going to be careful here. Using them. I've got to be careful how I use them. They're getting older. They're hearing. And, uh, and so I've got to be careful. Uh, and this weekend, and I'm going to still be careful. Uh, they, they spent the night at our house, which is a highlight for us maybe not for them as much as us well let me tell you it is still i'm i wish it would last forever we are enjoying every second of it you older grandparents know what i'm talking about um uh, them coming over and and uh, and coming to the house and looking forward to it and you know love in our house is sugar folks i'm just going to be honest with you you grandparents know exactly what i'm talking about we, it's more than that but anyway they get all this stuff. Well, anyway, I noticed one of them was struggling a little bit the other night and, and uh, kind of sitting lonely on the bed, and, I, and uh, I didn't pay any attention to it really for the beginning part of it. I thought he was being quiet, and then as I looked at him a little bit, I realized that he was uh, pretty upset, and, uh, and so I said, what's going on? And he said, well, his other cousin had told him that he didn't love him anymore. And that he didn't want to be his cousin anymore. <laughs> and I don't know what else it was said. So I asked the other one. I said, well, why did you do that? Why did you say that? Well, he thinks he's the boss of me. And he's not the boss of me. Anybody ever heard that before? I've told my wife that a few times. And it, it just doesn't go anywhere. <laughs> I'm kidding. I've never told her that. And so, you know, we, obviously, we dealt with it. And uh, before it was all over with, they were, you know, laughing again. And before they went to bed, and 
and uh, everybody was happy. But that's kind of the, the, the childlike love. You know, there's been times in, in your life where you have felt like being just like that. Well, if you don't, you know, if you boss me around or do whatever you're doing, then I just want you to know that you're no longer my friend or, or, or I'm not going to be your friend. And, you know, we've, we've taken our little, our, our little proverbial uh, ball and, and taken it home, have we not? And we've clung it to ourselves as adults, and we don't want to admit it at times. And because we, now by the way, there is hurt to this, okay? There's real genuine hurt. I, I don't want to minimize hurt at all. We, we have been hurt by our fellow brothers and sisters in the church or, or, or our, you know, family friends. There's no question about that. It's what do, we, what do we do with that? How do we respond back? Do we respond back in a, retalia, a retaliatory uh, method or we come back with the love of, the love of Christ? Folks, is this, is, is this difficult? Is anybody uh, with me? That's how we respond as Christians. And, if, and, and again, if we're not responding in that way, now again, I'll, I'll, let me make a point clear. I, I think that we're going to be tempted not to. But if we're responding with that kind of love, retaliatory love, and we're doing that consistently, then we don't have the love of Christ in us. That's just what he says. So he's comparing this, this kind of love, just childly love, childish love. He talks about the dirty mirror love. We would say, we would call it a dirty mirror love, okay? Um, in our day, because our mirrors are quite different than their mirrors. In, in antiquity, in this time, in, in the... In the in fact, in Cor- Corinth was known for its, its, its mirrors, but their mirrors were nowhere, nowhere near like ours, very clear. Um, uh, we can see they, can, they couldn't see quite as well in their mirrors. They weren't um, like ours. And so he compares this to an to a obscure mirror, this love, by seeing it with a cloud of vision. It, it's dim, it's distorted, but when Christ appears... We see him face to face. Then and only then will the mirror become clear and we will see love as Christ sees it and will understand how we are to be known by him. That's what Paul's trying to tell us here. So he's comparing this love to a mirror. He's comparing this love to, a, to the childish love. To help these childish, immature Corinthian believers to understand that these sensational gifts that they're thinking are so great aren't at all worth anything. They're a clanging cymbal, a gong, unless they are filled with the love of Christ. As he closes this section on love, he ends by comparing love to faith and hope. And he tells us that all of these qualities in these verses have eternal significance because one day... Our faith will become sight, and our hope will become reality. But love, it will remain unchanged. Love is God's purpose for his people. You've heard it, but it's good for us to be reminded this morning. And it will never, ever change. It is who he is. Theologians would say it's an attribute. I, you know, I'm okay with that. I would say it's just more of who he is, his, per, his personality. Is holiness an attribute of God? You could say that. I would rather say it's just who he is. He is just a holy God, and his holiness permeates everything around us in our world. 
He expects his people to be holy because he's a holy God who created a holy world for us to live in. And so it's more than just an attribute of him, something that he, uh, that he, um, that he gives us or shows us. He just simply can't help himself. He's love, and that's the reason why when he comes, we're going to see true love the way it really is. Amen. We haven't seen it yet. We've read about it. Paul says here it is. But we are more consumed with a, the love that we are familiar with. And, of course, that love has been tainted by sin. Jesus told, told us in John chapter 13, again, a new commandment I give to you, that you love one another just as I loved you. You also are to love one another. And by this all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. I believe that love is the key to evangelism and it's the key to discipleship. The love of Christ is the compelling attribute of the Christian faith. It's the month of love. Let's get our love straight. Amen? Let's not live in a, in a, this, with, these, with the, the feelings that love brings, and that's good, and have no problem with that. All right? I want to make sure I go back to that this morning. Feelings are okay. But when we judge everything by our feelings, let me tell you something. Your feelings aren't always going to feel um, okay. And humanity is going to make you upset and say things that you don't like. But when you have the love of Christ in you, it's a whole different, it's, it's, it's totally different. And we respond with that love to those around us. I think the prayer of our heart has to be, Lord, help me to respond with your love in everything that I do and everything that I say. I, I just think it has to be something you do daily. I really do believe that. But if you're filled with Christ, you're filled with his love. So this month we're going to talk, and I, I, I suspect that Dr. Freedom will talk a little bit about that. I think most of his emphasis will, will be on um, as how, how raising children, the family, and, and how, that re, how that responds and looks uh, scripturally to us. Uh, I'm looking forward to that, but I think also he'll be talking somewhat on, these, on, this, on this type of subject. And you don't want to miss it. I, I really encourage you to be here. Uh, he's had an, uh, an impact in my own life personally as I have taken uh, two or three of his classes. And uh, it's been a, a real blessing not only to be a part of those classes with him, but also be a part of his discipleship group. And I'm sure he'll be talking more about what he does with his discipleship. He's been doing it for years. Uh, he's pastored for many, many years um, in Jackson, Mississippi. Also has been a part of... Uh, uh, prison ministry there, uh, uh, been an advocate uh, for abortion, um, uh, against abortion, obviously, in, in uh, that area, uh, been on the, had his own radio broadcast in, in Jackson area, and uh, is, is a godly man, and I'm looking forward to his ministry to us, and so you'd be praying that God will just bless and help. We're going to have a meal on Saturday also, Saturday morning, so a lot of our young couples came to me and said, hey, if we have two things on Saturday, it's going to be difficult for us to come to both of them with kids. Well, I don't think that way because I don't have any kids anymore. I'm just thinking about just cramming as many sessions of this guy as I possibly can into you. But I think uh, the cooler has prevailed, and I realized that that probably was very important. And in fact, it is. And so we decided to have this the Saturday morning session, have a lunch after that, probably have question and answer time after the lunch, 
and then we'll come back on Sunday morning. But I'm looking forward to a wonderful weekend. Be praying that God will just bless and help us this weekend, um, that we'll, we'll grow um, in the word and the knowledge, and then our love together as, as a body of believers in our homes um, will grow together. Let's stand together, be dismissed. Father, thank you for your word this morning. I pray, Father, that you'll bless it to our hearts. I pray, oh God, that you'll help us to be reminded of, of your love, what it looks like in the heart of every believer. Now go with us, we pray. Bring us back this evening at 6 again tonight as we study your word. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you.